Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody, preparing for SMU's run in the NIT. It begins Thursday night in the first round against Boise State at 8 o'clock on ESPN, just up the road in Frisco, Texas at the Comerica Center. SMU is the number three seed, faces number two, Boise State. And look, SMU is coming off another disappointing loss to Cincinnati and will have to right the ship against a team that had NCAA tournament aspirations until Boise State dropped four straight uh, to end its regular season and conference championship uh, tournament. They lost three straight to end the regular season and then lost to Nevada in uh, their opening game of the Mountain West tournament. Also noteworthy, Boise State will not have two of its better players, including one of the uh, you know, top big men in the in the Mountain West. Um, and Leon Rice, the Boise State men's basketball coach, uh, announced that Abu, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Kijab is out for uh, the remainder of the year. Uh, he had uh, shoulder surgery on Monday to repair a torn labrum. He is a big deal. I mean, he, he was averaging 11.9 points, 5.4 boards per game. Uh, he had started all 25 games of the season prior to the injury, and he was an all-league type of player. And he makes big shots. Uh, he rebounds well. Uh, he is somebody that they are just going to l- miss in a big way uh, for uh, this NIT tournament. He's not the only one that's out, though. Max Rice, uh, who played 17 and a half minutes a game, played in all 26 games. One of their top three-point shooters um, coming off the bench is also out for the NIT as well. So SMU is going to face an undermanned Boise State team. On the flip side of that, SMU was without your A for the AAC tournament. I think that's going to remain the same uh, for SMU in the NIT. Tyson Jolly was on a minutes restriction. Haven't heard if that's going to change, but I think it'll stay the same. So the SMU team you saw in the AAC tournament is probably pretty close to what you're going to get um, as far as uh, players available. We'll, we'll continue to kind of update you guys uh, and see if maybe things change. But uh, look, Boise State is going to be ticked off, as is SMU. And Uh, SMU continues to be off their pause, so they are practicing, they are preparing for this game. But for SMU, I mean, you you look at the way you know Cincinnati just took it to you for much of the game, and then you battled back, and it just wasn't enough. You know, you got to be disappointed in yourself because they were ready to go as far as conditioning to do it. You don't make a run like that late in the game uh, to uh, close the gap and really make Cincinnati sweat on that one. If you're not in shape, so credit to the SMU players for being in shape, being ready to go. But ultimately, I, I just think they, um, you know, John Brandon, who's by the way having a rough week. You want to talk about coaches having a rough week? John Brandon at Cincinnati uh, is is having a rough go with players transferring and and everything like that. He's down to almost no one on the roster at this point. But it, the the Cincinnati game plan was was very simple, and they took it to SMU for much of the game, and that's why uh, Cincinnati was able to come away with the win. Um, SMU obviously you know, missed tons of time. Um, Kendrick Davis didn't get much help, not much help at all. And they couldn't manufacture ways to get guys good looks. And the result is uh, what they got, which is a loss in their opening game of the AAC tournament. Um, and now a spot in the NIT, uh, the Cinderella 
you know, plan for SMU in the AAC tournament ended pretty quickly. And now they've got to turn and face a Boise State team that is more than capable of beating them. Uh, and especially, look, if they don't have Yorinay, that probably you know makes it come out in the wash as far as you know contributors missing for the team um, or the two teams. Boise State mi- missing uh, Kajab is big. Um, that is uh, you know a, a really really big deal uh, for them, just like it is Yorinay uh, missing for SMU. So I think for SMU, this is a team that you know it, it's. It's not a, a pride thing, I think, uh, for this NIT matchup, just because, you know, they feel like they had their season taken. And obviously, I agree with them. You know, you you miss all those games from February 8th where you're coming off a win against ECU. And that that was it for the rest of your regular season. So in that sense, yes, now we can debate all day long about why and how and was it avoidable. Um, but, you know, this SMU team you know, down the stretch against Cincinnati, that's momentum they could build off of and make a run in the NIT. You're just down the road from from school. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to do much of anything. You just have to kind of stay the course in terms of what you've been doing uh, with with COVID as of late, especially to get off the pause and play in the postseason. This is a beatable Boise State team. This is a team that doesn't necessarily uh, scare you the way they look coming into this game, losing four straight, but... But they were on the bubble for a reason, at least in early March, and you know just kind of fell apart down the stretch, very similar to how SMU did uh, last year before COVID hit. Now, they have some issues. They've got to get uh, corrected going into this one. Uh, they need uh, Marcus Shaver, Ray J. Dennis, guys like that uh, to have big games in terms of the, the defensive side of the things. That's on the Boise State side, from what I've gathered. They just have really let them down, and obviously they got, you know, they gave up almost 90 points uh, in the Mountain West tournament to uh, Nevada, and so that was a poor defensive showing. Can SMU take advantage of that and get back on track offensively, start making shots, talking to people other than Kendrick Davis? That'll be the big question. Uh, How do they rally the troops right now? Because, you know, SMU really had its eyes set on – you know, showing that they were ready to go. They could. They did what they could in quarantine and in pause to, to make this happen. Um, and, it, and it just didn't work out, obviously. They, they weren't able to, uh, to, to, you know, sustain any type of consistency from the rest of the team. Kendrick Davis was brilliant, I thought, in the game, but uh, they, they didn't get much of anything else from anyone. So how do those players respond after a pretty ugly showing uh, across the board from everyone else? That's going to be the big question. That's what I want to see. If you see this team lay down, um, you know we're not even going to go into that. But it it it's pretty apparent then uh, as to where everything stands. We'll continue to monitor the hot seat uh, for Tim Jankovic, and it is um, pretty pretty warm, I would say, uh, especially if you listen to his uh, post game press conference. Uh, he went into all the reasons why he should be back, uh, but that's um, you know pretty par for the course. So. We'll monitor that, monitor that on Pony Stampede. SMU obviously playing in a postseason game uh, in the NIT. Not going to see a move happen before that. Uh, we'll continue to keep our ears to the ground for our Pony Stampede subscriber, subscribers and let you guys know where things stand on that front. Now, moving on to football. I wanted to kind of take a second here and, and look a little bit ahead in terms of spring ball because we're roughly... 
three-ish weeks away from when I think SMU is going to end up starting spring ball. Uh, yes, uh, three weeks and a couple days from where SMU is going to start spring ball. I'm hearing April 9th. I think I wanted to kind of put this out to you guys, and we could talk about it on the Pony Stampede board, but what's the position group you're most worried about going into spring ball on offense and defense? And I think for me, the the group I'm most worried about right now on offense, and this is going to sound a little funny uh, considering you know, the quarterback room is where it's at. I think that's kind of obvious, but you know what you're getting. You know you're getting a quarterback competition. You know there's a ton of unknowns. I'm, I'm really worried about the wide receivers, and not because there isn't talent there, not because Reggie Robertson is, is you know, coming back slowly. He looks great from, from what I've heard and, and, and what I've seen in the videos. Danny Gray continuing to work on his, his consistency. But with all this talent that they've stacked up, I just haven't seen, and outside of Reggie Robertson, when healthy, that next guy come up and take what they should be taking. And I think that's the big thing that you want to see out of this group this year is for someone to just go up and say, I'm going to be a go-to guy. I'm going to be uh, somebody that can uh, really, really um, be relied on. And we saw it in spurts last year. And I talked with David Grew about this early in the offseason. And that was kind of the thing. Consistency, competitiveness, um, staying healthy, getting your body right for the season. These guys run a lot of snaps. And you know that's a big question for them uh, is, is, is can somebody take that next step? Can somebody step up and, and be uh, a true go-to outside of Reggie Robertson when healthy? That's the big question. We saw Danny Gray get nicked up too much. Rasheed Rice played through injuries a lot uh, during the season. Uh, and then from there, we really haven't seen much from anyone. I'm looking at guys like Kiki Burns. He was nicked up, or he was hurt all of his whole freshman season. Then last year, he you know got in quarantine protocol, all that stuff, and then got nicked up because he was trying to come back and be ready, and it was tough. And then he came on late in the year. Can Calvin Wiggins contribute? Can TQ Jackson get right? What's Austin Upshaw going to do? That's somebody I've got my eye on. He's so consistent. He's made the transition well. Can he be somebody that's relied upon in a big way? I'm watching him. He has trouble creating separation, but that is what it is uh, when you're a converted uh, quarterback. But he was a really good athlete. Defensively, my biggest question is at safety. It's kind of on the back end. Can Chevin Calloway take that next step? Chase Cromartie, Donald Clay, Roger Robertson, Carl Taylor, you know, those guys need to step up because it's been a tough go uh, at times for safety. But Chevin Callaway's super athletic. People forget he's so young. It's kind of similar to you know what AJ Ricker and I talked about during our interview, which was he forgot Justin Osborne <laughs> wasn't a grad transfer. He was just a basically a true sophomore uh, coming back and um, getting in the fold right away at SMU. And of course, he's going to have some mental bust. Now, Chevin Calloway is a junior. He's played a lot of football now. Chase Cromartie, a sophomore, played a lot of football by now. Donald Clay, Roger Robertson got worked in there as well. Carl Taylor showed a burst a little bit when he uh, was able to see time in one game. You've got this. You've got this group of safeties that now is kind of seasoned. They've got to do the little things right. Trey Haverty and I talked about that in our interview uh, back in uh, January. This is a group that I think has the talent to get there. I just got I, I got I got to see more playmaking, I, especially out of Chevin Callaway. We know how athletic he is. We know he brings it. 
um, and and he is he has an edge to him. Chase Cromartie is underrated in my opinion. Uh, he's very physical. Uh, he's got length. He's got long arms. It's a tough position to play. Safety in college football is the toughest position to play right now. Maybe maybe the nickel nickel spot. Uh, but look, that is a brutal position to play. The, the the way offenses attack you and make you look foolish and 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 the receivers they have, uh, it's very very difficult uh, to play safety in college football right now. But those are my two positions I, I really kind of want to talk about, kind of riff on with you guys uh, this week. We've got a lot of recruiting updates still to come on Pony Stampede, so feel free to try us out for just a buck for that first month, and then uh, you know see if you want to stick around for spring ball for the rest of spring ball. Uh, you'll get a little taste of our spring ball coverage if you would sign up today. We've been rolling out recruiting updates all week. I think getting out and being able to see a lot of these prospects, I was really impressed with Owen Poway, Cy Park linebacker. He's got some size to him. He almost has a safety build to him right now. I think if you got it with Kaz Kazadi, he'd be a perfect will type of linebacker in the box. Uh, some versatility to him, can run. Uh, and and he comes off the edge well. Uh, we'll see kind of what the whole Fox position looks like under Jim Levitt. I'm not sure he has enough length to do that uh, and size to do that, but uh, I'm interested to see kind of how they really recruit the the linebacker position in general. Uh, but I came away really impressed with him, and he also checked out SMU uh, right after his Under Armour Dallas regional camp experience. You can go check out the interview with Owen Poway uh, to see kind of what he thought about campus and where his recruitment's at um, on Pony Stampede. To build off of that, Michael Abukan Okiode, sorry, uh, the the hyphen gets me, but uh, the Rowlett defensive end, uh, 2022, 6'4", really impressed me with his length. I mean, he has, I, I remember seeing Kari Coleman, and Kari was a little sh- uh, shorter than um, uh, Michael is, but they, they have that similar length. They have really long arms. Both have really good spin moves. I was really impe- impressed with uh, Michael Abukan Okayode. Sorry, I will get it eventually. Um, and we talked about his recruitment as well, so you can check that out on Pony Stampede. He was another one that came through and did a player-led visit. I'm going to drop some tidbits and, and dig around on who else might have stopped by, so be sure to check that out on Pony Stampede. I'm also going to try to stack the board for you guys a little bit. Who are the top targets out there in 2022 as things get going? This is a very critical point for SMU. They're getting some feedback from these camps. They're getting testing numbers. They're getting actual measurables from the underclassmen report, uh, which works with Under Armour on these camps. Very important time for SMU. They're watching as much film as they can and getting as much evaluation notes as they can. It looks like the dead period is going to end in June, which means camps can happen. But for now, SMU is just doing their best uh, to to really eval the guys they have. And they're, they're taking a pretty refined approach to it in terms of who they're targeting, who they want in the class, uh, and then they'll go from there. So they're, they're really trying to be conservative with it. They don't obviously want to push for anyone that you know, might not be that actually listed at the size they're at. Um, but look, uh, we're going to you know, drop that and kind of reset the board for you guys going into next week. Once we're done with all these recruiting updates and also the NIT coverage, we'll see if SMU can advance starting Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central on ESPN. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Leave us a rating, leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. We'll catch you next time, everyone. Have a good one.